We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast, sponsored by DraftKings. It is Thursday, February 15th. Not quite officially the All-Star break, because every year the NBA does this. Um, what, 26 out of 30 teams, James, are officially off. I know LeBron James was already on vacation and somewhere out in the West, looked like the Southwest with his family uh, early yesterday via Instagram. But we still have two games tonight. Lakers T-Wolves is on TNT, uh, Bucks and the Denver Nuggets also play tonight. So I feel like if you're a player, you want no business with this, with this Thursday night game, right? I mean, there's a couple teams I think that didn't even play last night. So you basically start your all-star break on Tuesday night. Um, but I mean, no team wants to be playing on Thursday. No, this is a huge slap in the face. I think right. this is one of those dates where I would check the calendar immediately if I was a player or coach and just throw it down in disgust if my team was right. scheduled on this day yeah like if i if i was like a like brooke lopez or somebody like that like i would want to be bought out specifically <laughs> so i didn't have to play on this thursday yes. and i could start my break earlier um <clears throat> but you know all-star festivities kick off tomorrow uh we'll get into all of that um but bigger news hashim thabit someone that we we touched on rather extensively on the last podcast he turns 31 years old tomorrow um Hashim Thabit has not played in the NBA since 2014 he played for the Oklahoma City Thunder he apparently had a stint in Portland which I the internet says that that happened he apparently started three games for the Blazers I have no rec no recollection of that um but looking at that 09 draft we're, we're going to talk more about the the 2017 draft later in the podcast but 
if you redrafted the 09 draft, does the beat even go in the first round? Does he even go in the top 50? Uh, I mean, it, it was an okay draft. I would say it was kind of like an average draft in terms of talent. Uh, I think he probably goes towards the back of the first round just on a team hoping that they take the the tall guy that could maybe be a backup center off the bench. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not it's not like this was just a ridiculously loaded class where uh, – people are pushing him no. out of the first round i don't think but yeah that's that's one of the let's see of the last 10 years yeah that fits in that's probably one of the top two or three busts of the last or is does is it even a bust or just an yes. all-time bad pick like because it's like both i think it's right? more of a bad pick than a bust because it's bust like sort of puts it all on him yeah whereas i think it's just all on them for taking him well the, the grizzlies went into that draft dead set on taking a center and right. there was there was basically one center uh at the top of draft boards i mean if you look down like the next big man and he wasn't even a center the next big man to come off the board was jordan hill at eight to the knicks and he was he was a bust in his own right and then you know the next big man after that you got to go all the way down to 13 and it was tyler hansborough uh which ironically enough the grizzlies would have been infinitely better off taking tyler hansborough at two than it seemed to beat. Well, the Grizzlies um, would have been infinitely better off taking anyway. the next true center, Byron Mullins, who went twenty <laughs> fourth uh, overall. Pretty sure he had a better career than. Well, Hashim I'm looking if you look at like value over replacement, um, which isn't you know isn't as commonly cited, I guess, in basketball as it is um, <clears throat> as it is in baseball. Byron Mullins had the third worst career out of anyone in that draft. Oh, so he was actually notably worse. Was than it so probably just because he got enough minutes to like compile negative value. i mean he played more minutes than the beat right that's why i was like saying he must have been better just because i yeah. remember him getting he was minutes pretty bad. longer but yeah i mean yeah yeah well i think the the issue with byron mullins is that he tried to become he was kind of the first stretch five he was a, a pioneer so he was terrible at it god awful um but yeah yeah he actually had a longer career than the beat where does your boy austin day rank on those ad uh ad e so if you if you rank that draft class by by VORP value of a replacement player, he's fortieth. Okay. The beat is twenty eighth. So yeah. VORP says that the beat had basically the same career as Nando DiColo and Jeff Pendergraf. That passes the smell test. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I I basically I just wanted to to give a shout out to Hashim. You know, he's turning thirty one. I think he's he doesn't really get the bust label that he should. Um you're like if you're looking, if you think of the the worst busts of the last couple of years or the last twenty years, even Odin's number one. I think Bennett's probably number two. The beat like faded so quickly that it like you don't he doesn't come to name as like an all time bust. Do you know what I do? You, do you know what I'm saying? Like when you say bust, yeah. are you putting it on the player? or Are you putting it on the team? Both. He didn't. He went second overall, and he had a horrible career. Like. It's, I don't think either side is blameless. I mean, in this scenario, it's more Memphis. But at the time, that was like I was. I was. I remember not being on board with that pick. I remember other people not being on right. board with it. But it wasn't like he was projected to go fortieth and they took him no. two. Like someone else was going to take him in the top five or six if they didn't take him. Yeah, to me that one just I remember that more as just a holy crap the team really screwed up than I yeah. do anything with him. Even though I mean I'm sure he didn't get the most out of his physical abilities. It's still like, I'm very sure he did at the very at the I'm moment positive. of the draft. Yeah, you know there were a handful of wings and guards that yeah. were clearly better better picks. And that one looks worse in retrospect because 
some of the guys that went after him like reached the like 99th percentile. You have two of their generational, upside. two guys that could you know one of which might be remembered as a top ten player ever in Curry, and then another one who could be. You know, one of the best combo guards. <clears throat> excuse me, one of the best combo guards of all time in Harden. Well, Curry, Curry probably goes down as the best shooter ever, and yeah. I think no question. About it'll that. be interesting to see at at the end of their careers who ranks higher. I mean, Curry's going to have the titles. If if Harden gets a title or two, though, I think his numbers are going to be more impressive than yeah. Curry's at the end of the at the end of their careers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Curry just reached such an apex as as not only a player but as a star. Like in during especially that 2015 run, you know, the Warriors' first title, that like even as well as Harden's played, and you could argue, and, and the advanced stats, you know, might say that Harden is like more impactful overall in terms of points created and things like that, and he hasn't had the supporting cast that Curry has. But I just, I, Curry is like a global icon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Harden's ever going to get that high. No. Um. But yeah, I mean, good, interesting draft to look back on overall. I always think it's so strange that Tyreek Evans ended up winning Rookie of the Year uh, over over Harden at, and over Curry. At the time of the draft, I actually remember thinking the Johnny Flynn pick was worse than the Hashim Thabit pick, as bad as the Thabit pick was. I the the Flynn one, I think I did I liked less at the time just because it see it it took me by surprise more given the guys that were on the board whereas like the the beat one i didn't like it but it didn't surprise me at all like i was just like yeah well did flynn surprise you because they had just taken rubio one pick before right it was like you went back-to-back point guards in a point guard loaded draft and you didn't even take curry or like i love ty lawson and i love brandon jennings in that draft and to take flynn over curry lawson and jennings to me was just insane well the thing I, you know, you can't really rationalize anything that David Kahn did during that era, but you can kind of see it as okay. We have two picks, five and six. We'll take if we're go- if you're set on taking two point guards, wouldn't you want to roll the dice on one of those point guards? And like Curry is like was was and is the ultimate dice roll. We'll like, take let's take the guy that isn't going to come over for at least a right. year and the guy with the lowest upside. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> it's not like Johnny Flynn was this 100 percent sure thing by any means. Um, and then yeah, right to take Ty Lawson at 18 and end up trading him. Who I, I mean, I think you could argue before Lawson fell off a couple of years ago, he had had the better career than Rubio. Oh, yeah. Which like, I'm sure some people would fight you five on Five years but. after that draft, I think pretty much everyone would have would have said Ty Lawson better right. NBA career than Complete Ricky Rubio. Complete botch job. I mean, you, you have 5-6. You could have ended up with Curry and DeRozan, and you end up with Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. Okay, let's talk uh, current day NBA. We're going to fast forward about... 10 years um i think it was it was doc rivers i believe who was quoted yesterday as saying um or maybe it was paul pierce someone someone after paul pierce's ceremony on sunday was asked if kg is going to get his number retired in boston and the response was like of course no brainer like eventually kg will definitely get his jersey retired in boston uh one boston has already retired like 20 numbers including numbers one and two for like Red Auerbach is one of them, and then like their old owner has his number retired, even though he never played. Uh, so one, they're going to run out of numbers eventually. Two, uh, where where are you at on on KG getting his number retired? Obviously, it should and will be retired in Minnesota. Is it already? Has that happened? 
You care way way more about this than I do. I, know. I don't give a, I I don't give a crap that. at all. <laughs> you don't th- you don't care at all if he gets his number retired in Boston? No. No? <laughs> See, I was I was going to ask you. I have all these players I wanted to ask, like, should they get their number retired? Like, do you just want to skip that altogether? Like, I barely care about the Hall of Fame. Like, I definitely don't care who's got their number retired where. Uh, fine. Whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll save that for Tuesday. Alex will care about this. All right. Um, other news, Chris Bosh was on some show with Chris Broussard. I don't even know what network he's on anymore. Uh, and made it sound very much that he wants to get back in the NBA, perhaps as early as this year. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know if he can go back to Miami. I tried finding info on this. I don't know what the rules are as far as him, you know, not being medically cleared by them, if he could go back at some point. Basically, any team doctor needs to clear him, and he's pretty much good as far as I'm aware. Um I mean, would Chris Bosh be an actual impactful player for a team like Cleveland that has two roster spots open now after all these deals? I mean, he's not coming back to play for the Charlotte Hornets or, you know, a team like that. I just, I don't get the sense that any team's medical department's going to clear him. I don't think that that's something you necessarily want to get tied up in. Yeah. Unless you think that the upside is like a top 25, top. Mm Mm-hmm. 30 player and i don't think anyone thinks that he's got that anymore no i mean i mean what is the ultimate risk if you're signing bosh is that you're the team that signed the guy and then it turns into like a hank gathers situation which i know is a little bit morbid but like that's kind of the fear right is like you don't want yeah you don't want that on your hands it's not yeah i mean it'd be one thing if uh you know your team if he was on on the books and it was like whether or not you clear him to return and you kind of have a history, but now that Miami's kind of uh, separated themselves from the situation, none of these teams have any obligation to take on all that would come with that. And it just seems like the potential negatives, the potential sort of circus involving it Mm. would outweigh any positives. I think, I think Bosch could still be impactful. I don't know if that's the issue. You know, he's not going to go and be all-star Chris Bosh that he was before all this started. But, yeah, I, I think it's just – it's not necessarily, like, bad PR. It's just to – the the Bosh isn't going to be a good enough player that it would be worth the risk. Um, so Houston won last night. They beat Sacramento. Golden State lost in Portland. They are now 44-14. and 14. Uh, They have more losses at the all-star break than I thought they would have over the course of the entire season. How surprised are you that the Warriors are not in first place heading into the break? I'm really surprised, and I am kind of taking this season as sort of like a learning moment for myself with just projecting wins and losses on certain teams because it's – I mean, you looked at this team on paper before the season, and I just didn't really see a scenario where they wouldn't win like 68, 69, 70 wins, and – you just kind of oh you you oh I overlooked the just human element of just not caring like how like right. the gap between any team no matter how much talent there is when they're engaged and caring versus when they're not engaged and not trying that hard is still pretty huge so like if if you have I mean they've lost to some legitimately really bad teams this year. Like I think they lost to the Kings at one point. Yeah, based on just and then, pure and it's not like they've I mean they've been banged up, but they've played pretty well when when Curry or Draymond or Durant are out. 
Yeah, know, no, it, the it, type of game that they lost yeah. last night is not the type of game they would have lost last year. Right. To me, it has absolutely nothing to do with like injuries no, or anything like that. It's no. just about these guys just really not caring. Like once you, you know, if you have the record for most wins in a regular season, and you've won the title two of the last three years, like kind of what is your driving force behind the regular Mm. season i I don't even think they care really about home court all that much yeah i mean it's it's easy to compare it to to like that last miami team when you know they were good during the regular season but just kind of got burnt out and like i think i think we'd be seeing it more even more if durant wasn't there you know my thought was kind of you know i could see curry clay draymond you know even patchouli to some degree like you know especially those big three have been through this since 2015 and that's a lot of mileage, just a lot of games. But I kind of thought Durant would would offset that, you know, like his, you know, hunger or whatever you want to call it to, you know, to kind of leave his own mark on this team. And, like, I think it, it went so well last year and they accomplished their goal right away that now Durant's just kind of fallen back into that as well. Like, you know, make go walk into the Warriors locker room and make a pitch for why they should try 100% every single night. There's really not there's really not much you can come up with. No. I, it's, it's just one of those things where you got to keep it in mind for, like, future right. future warrior seasons or future whoever yeah. the next great team is seasons where you just look at the talent and that doesn't necessarily right. equate to the amount of wins i don't feel any differently about the warriors in terms no. of the title or how they're going to be in the playoffs now like they could be they could be 66 or 56 i should say 56 and 0 right now and i would still feel the same way like they're no. they're yeah. still overwhelming title favorites houston's been better than i thought i think houston will push them much more than they've been pushed by any Western Conference team. But at the end of the day, I, I still think when this team is trying, no one really comes close. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to be – I'm kind of bummed about the whole Kawhi Leonard yeah. thing just because I think – Future they, Cavalier they, they just – I mean, the Spurs are still one of my favorite teams to watch. And if, if Kawhi was fully healthy, I think that they would be a pretty close third – to to the to the Rockets in terms of legitimate challengers, just because uh, some steps that they've taken with certain players, Aldrich and and some of their younger guys. But yeah, I mean, I I, I would be I would take the Warriors over the field, and I don't mm-hmm. really think that that's all that out there right now. No, I mean, I think the Rockets stuff. You know, we had talked two months ago when when the Rockets were really really moving, and you know there was kind of this this whole narrative of like you know, maybe they've closed the gap. And I think that talk has kind of started up again. I mean, the Rockets have won, what, 10 in a row. Golden State, by their standards, has, has struggled. Um, but I, it's a seven-game series. You know, if this was NFL style and it was one game and go home, then sure, anything can happen. But you need to beat Golden State four times out of seven. And that's that's just – I just don't see any team in the league, you know, whether it's the Rockets or the Cavs or the Raptors or whoever doing that. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. 
Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Um, in the Eastern Conference, Cavs are still four and a half back of Boston. Boston now two back of Toronto, but Celtics have looked bad. Uh, they got blown out by, by Cleveland on Sunday. Um, they lose in pretty convincing fashion to the Clippers last night. Um, had another loss in there to the Pacers. Uh, and then got smoked, you know, looking back to last week uh, by like 20 points against the Raptors at home. I mean, I'm not super worried about Boston. I know Brad Stevens is like, oh, we're going to think about lineup changes after the break. We're going to evaluate everything. It's like, okay, you've lost four out of five. You haven't lost nine out of ten. Um, but it seems like the tide has kind of shifted as the Cavs have looked awesome since the deadline. Boston has kind of tanked. Toronto has been steady. And I think now we're back to the general thought is – Cleveland over Boston, and then kind of take your pick between Cleveland and Toronto. Is, is that where you stand on these three? Uh, I mean, I think I think the Cavs are in their own tier until they meet any kind of resistance in the East final or in the East playoffs. But I think the Raptors this season, to me, are a bigger threat to LeBron getting to the finals than any team has been since the those Pacers teams. I think yeah, Toronto's depth is is interesting. Like they they don't have they don't have second unit guys that you can just kind of exploit. You know, I think in some ways offensively, you know, you can't rely on Fred VanVleet and Delon Wright and you know Jakob Pertl to to carry those units. But I mean, defensively, is Toronto the deepest team in the East in terms of like guys who actually play real minutes? I'd probably are they the deepest team in the league? I mean, I. It depends how like Golden State, I would still argue because like their top four is so good, you know. They, they have like, have... I mean, how, how, who, like, if we compared six through ten on those two teams, yeah. though, I, I think the Raptors would win all the way down that list. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you go Lowry, DeRozan at the top, and then so I mean, basically that tier of like Ananobi, Pirtle, Van Vliet, Norman Powell. You know, I mean, the Warriors could desperately use guys like OG Ananobi or yes. or Norman Powell as upgrades over just mm-hmm. some of the guys that they're giving. Like, I think they thought they were going to get a much better uh, second season out of Patrick McCaw. Yes. I think they thought they were going to get something more than Nick Young's giving them. It's just, I mean, Jordan they, Bell's been a great revelation, right. and we're going to get to him in a bit. But like, there's they they don't go they, they're talent at the top is obviously amazing but it's not like they go like True. nine or ten deep i think jo- yeah jordan bell being hurt is has impacted them which is crazy to say for you know a second rounder who is just kind of an odd prospect you know and tough to evaluate but he's once he's back i think that'll help them but they did kind of double down on the shooting you know bringing in caspi and nick young rather than some more defensive oriented guys and like you said i think they're I don't. Know, I wouldn't say they're like disappointed in McCaw, but he just hasn't taken the steps. I mean, he's out now for a month. Steve Kerr said yesterday, like it is genuinely concerning because they do need a guy like that who can who can defend wings. I mean, Sean Livingston's playing like twelve minutes a game. David West has still looked good for them, but you know you, that's not a guy who you can trust to defend anyone outside of outside of the painted area. Um, but overall, point the the Golden State Warriors I think have nothing to worry about. Um, let's see. I want, did you watch Cavs Thunder the other night? Uh, no. Really? It was quite the game. Uh, we won't talk about that then. 
Do you want to go right into draft stuff or All-Star Weekend picks? Well, if we're going to do this draft thing, we should do it now. Okay, let's do the draft thing. So we've we've talked a lot about the 2017 class, um, although it has been several weeks since we've kind of reevaluated things. We're just going to go and do basically a redraft, team by team. We'll go, you know, maybe to the end of the lottery, maybe up to 20, um, and just kind of go back and forth and draft the players based on what we know now, based on what we project going forward. We won't necessarily be taking into account you know, team needs, you look at looking back to June of, of 2017, it'll kind of just be best player available. So in some ways, I guess we're basically ranking the top 15 or 20 guys in this class. But, you know, now that we have 50 plus games for most of these guys to evaluate, um, I think we can kind of get a better gauge for this. So I'll let you pick as the Philadelphia 76ers at number one. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I will take Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Okay. I just don't. I think that's right. I there's a bigger gap between him and the next best guy on my list than I would have thought there'd be. Like even a couple weeks ago, I just don't. It's really just hard to make a case for anyone else, in my opinion, just given how good he's been at really all facets of the game and just his his general upside. Like you, it's easy to just say, like his upside as a two way player is extreme there's to me there's a ton of risk that he doesn't ever really reach that upside on defense just because how many guards actually end up reaching that upside when they're they have that uh, high of a usage on offense but I mean he could be like the best two-way guard since like Chris Paul just based on his physical tools mm-hmm. and the fact that he's already you know making an impact in, in terms of steals the efficiency from downtown is way up compared to where it was over the first like six weeks uh just really hard to argue that anyone else you know a, a lot of other guys could probably match his ceiling but I, I i don't really buy that anyone else has a clearly higher ceiling than him at this point no no i mean i think i think a month ago like i i would have fought you on this and maybe said tatum but he's cooled off which i think is probably expected but you know i mean tatum, tatum to me is in the top three certainly but yeah I mean like you said I mean Mitchell's averaging almost 20 points per game as a rookie on a team that's won 11 straight games heading into the all-star break like this isn't just a go chuck for us while we you know while we try to get you another guy in the lottery next year like he's legitimately you know helped this team he leads all rookies or second actually in, in win shares behind Bam Adebayo of all of all people um among rookies but no I mean I think that's a that's a pretty clear number one at this point. I mean, is it fair to say, I mean, it's still so early, but like, would it be disappointing if he doesn't become, you know, like a seven time all-star? I mean, he's having like the Dwayne Royd rookie year, basically. I think it would be disappointing if he wasn't just routinely kind of in that conversation for West all-star guard spots, sort of like the Damian Lillard, Mike Conley kind of class of guy Mm -hmm. where, like to me that it would be disappointing if he didn't just get there and stay there. Right. I don't I don't think it's disappointing if he doesn't become like a Hall of Famer yeah. or doesn't become, you know, a, mm-hmm. a first team all NBA type of guy, but I think it would be a disappointment at this point if he if you can't like look at him and say this can be the best guard on a title contending team. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you know Lillard's not a perfect comparison in terms of how they play, but that level of player, like at right. this point, it's totally fair to expect him yeah. to have a Lillard-like impact going yeah. forward. And I don't think that's out of the question at all. Okay, so Mitchell goes one. I think I think I'm going to go Tatum too, even even though he's fallen off over the last month. I mean, he he passes pretty much every test in terms of the numbers, in terms of the eye tests. I mean, he's an unbelievable ISO player when he gets that opportunity. Finishes well at the rim. Super athletic, young, um, and and I think if he was on a different team, he'd, he'd probably be even better numbers wise. So pretty easy pick at two. Who do you go three? Yeah, that is a easy pick at two. Uh, I'm gonna go with Laurie Markkinen. Really. <laughs> I could have probably just not taken him for a couple of rounds, knowing that you wouldn't take him. But <laughs> that's not what we're trying to do. Here. Uh, this yeah. isn't a mind I'm not game. trying to game the system. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I I think the the value of you know elite guard play is very high. The value of elite wing play is very high. But I don't see anyone on the board where I'm confident that this guy's going to be like a top ten point guard going forward or uh, just excellent two-way wing that doesn't really have any huge flaws in his game uh so just in the absence of that i'm gonna take the guy that i think is just a a really like i think i think marketing skill set fits in pretty much any situation just as you know he can be your four he can be your five he can stretch the floor uh he does a lot more off the dribble than I think people were expecting coming out of school. And I think that if you just want to look at his sort of, I mean, it's, it's, it's not inefficient shooting by rookie big man standards, but it might like look a little inefficient, but I think you have to factor in the teammates Mm -hmm. he's playing with in this situation. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough to come in the NBA as a stretch four slash stretch five as a what is he 20 um and just be lights out from day one and shoot a really high percentage i think the fact that he's shooting as well as he is and a lot of those threes like like i said are uh pretty deep contested not assisted very cleanly um so i mean i I think that he you know if you if you put him in a situation like where tatum's in in boston i think his numbers would be quite a bit better just efficiency wise yeah i mean there's not a ton of like decent teams where he'd be playing 30 minutes a game but but i agree with you i mean his rebounding has been much much better than i expected i think he you don't really hear anything about him defensively which i think is good right, you know he's right. not a good he's not a good yeah. defender but like the fact that his defense hasn't even been talked about yeah. is in that case there's not a, a bunch thing. of just like gifs out there right. of him just getting like he's super been, worked he's you look i mean the mavs won a title with dirk dirk was never a good defender i mean it, it can be done um and I, it, do you think it's easier to mask that when you have like a a four slash five like Markinen who's a bad defender versus like a point guard who's a really bad defender? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I I think I don't really think it matters. I think that the the key to masking it is just having you need at least two elite switchable defenders next to him, like with with a guy like. I mean, Curry, I think Curry's still kind of an underrated defender. I mean, he's better than Westbrook. He's better than Harden. But the Warriors can get away with his kind of 
subpar defense because they have yeah. clay and they have draymond green who can kind of switch on to anything right. and make life a lot easier for him i think as long as you sur- surround Markinen with a guy that can protect the rim and a wing or two that is is really good at defending and maybe can even defend up in class if they need to then i think i think you're fine well that's the thing is like in today's nba most teams have someone on the floor who's doing something similar to marketing like you know like right. you're not worried about marketing if he's out there as your five you're not worried about him getting back down by someone like Shaq because uh, right. like Shaq doesn't exist in today's right. nba you know like chances are that the other team has a Ryan Anderson type or an Ursan Ilyasova type, you know, like you just, somebody yeah, like that that he can match up you with. You just need a one of the other teams four or right. five to be a guy that isn't just exactly. going to completely dominate him. Right. Okay. Uh, before I make my pick at number four, we have to talk about DraftKings and the special offer that we have through Rotowire. Uh, we are offering a free six month Rotowire subscription to new users of DraftKings.com. All you have to do create a DraftKings account and make your first deposit of at least $10. That'll get you a free six-month membership to Rotowire, which includes all of our DFS tools, includes all the great baseball content that James and some of the other guys are putting out every day as that season approaches. You also receive a free $3 ticket for a one-day fantasy sports contest deposited directly into your DraftKings account. You can play for a shot at winning big prizes. Visit DraftKings.com slash Rotowire dash 2018. That's DraftKings.com slash Rotowire dash 2018 to sign up and claim that free subscription today. Okay, so things get a little messier uh, at number four. Um, I wouldn't, looking at this draft class overall and especially the lottery, I I wouldn't say I'm disappointed at all. I mean, we, myself, and and probably slightly to a lesser degree you, before the draft we're really hyping up this class like I was really really pumped about almost every player that went in the lottery and for the most part I think everybody's lived up to the hype you know due in large part to guys like Markinen and Tatum probably playing better than we expected um, which is compensated for Jonathan Isaac you know not playing in two months and you know Nilakina kind of being up and down but oddly enough the top two players in this draft are definitively not in the top three and I, I think four is probably the earliest you could make a case for Lonzo and, you know, I think I like Lonzo at this point more than you do. But if it's Lonzo or Dennis Smith at four, I think right now I would have to go Dennis Smith. So that, that'll be my choice at four. Yeah, I think that that, that was the top guy on my board there. Uh, it's it's to, it's to be determined if Dennis Smith is going to be a winning player in terms of being, de- either defending or making his teammates better or just being – so good at scoring by himself that he leads his team to wins I don't know if he does any of that but I think he has physical tools that Lonzo can't really match uh I mean shoot do you do you give either one of those guys the edge shooting so far yeah I mean <laughs> numbers wise but it's gotta be Smith <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you don't feel great about either of their jump shots right now. I think Smith is, is so much better at the rim, though. And, like, I know he's not finishing, like, really great at the rim, but, like, Lonzo just doesn't look comfortable finishing at the rim. Well, he doesn't really want to finish at the rim. Smith, like, Smith will at least attack. Smith is already just elite at creating space and getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he there's there's really, like, who in the lead can, like, stay in front of him like if if he's trying no. to get to the rim I mean, I mean it's, it's a lot of those like Westbrook is kind of the easy comp with him Steve Francis you know those athletic mm-hmm. pogo stick type point guards and like 
his numbers compare pretty favorably to Westbrook as a rookie, but he, he does have a lot of those drives where like he, you know, he makes a nice move on the perimeter, gets by his guy, but then kind of gets in the air without a plan. And, you know, sometimes he's athletic enough and can contort his body and finish that. But other times it creates a really tough scoring opportunity. And we've seen Westbrook get demonstrably better at finishing shots like that and working on that touch around the rim, you know, as, as his career has progressed. And I think we'll see the same with Smith. I mean, I, player like point guards like him generally don't put up like really efficient rookie seasons so like to see him basically hovering around you know 40 percent as a shooter he's at 39.4 right now 32 percent from three a little under 70 from the line like to me that's about what you'd expect and honestly maybe a little bit better you know like i wouldn't have been shocked if he came out and shot like 27 28 percent from three yeah i mean that's this whole kind of point guard we went into this draft Fultz, Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Dennis Smith, Nilakina, Malik Monk, people thought might play some point guard. And like Donovan Mitchell was sort of like on the outskirts of that class or that yeah. tier or whatever of, of what was going to define this class. And then it's like it's him by a mile. And right. those other guys are all either slightly less than we thought they were or maybe in a guy like Dennis Smith's case, he's about. I mean, he's getting, like, a passing grade so far, I would say. I think Dennis Smith, too. Like, the Mavs, you know, they're not a small market, but, like, nobody's paying attention to the Mavs. Nobody has really paid attention to the Mavs in a couple years. Like, if you just swapped out Dennis Smith and Lonzo Ball, people would be all over Dennis Smith, I think. Or even even if you – like, Dallas just has nothing going for it. I don't know. It doesn't have to be the Lakers. I don't know. If Dennis Smith was doing this for the Knicks or doing it for basically any team that's on Mm. television more than the Mavericks are, I, I think he would be a bigger deal. All right, so am I up? Yes, you are up. Fifth overall. I will take Jonathan Isaac. Okay. Uh, not a ton to say about him, just because he hasn't played really. But I think he's going by Pastor John now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Ooh, actually. Actually, yeah, you might want to rethink ooh. that. Uh, yeah, actually, I am going to change that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take... Uh, Interested to hear your reaction on this, but uh, I'm going to take OG Ananobi. Okay. I And I'm surprised, although you had been all over Ananobi heading into the draft, even with the knee injury, which kind of caused me to back off of him. But I think you, of anybody, are probably not all that surprised with how good he's been. Yeah, and this is very, you know, you're taking a supporting player here. Like right. I, I'm taking a guy that I think can be – a very valuable like fourth best player on a winning team over some of these other guys who I think you would hope that they would be a bit more than that. And I just think that he's a really safe, uh, you know, starting wing on a decent team in his, in his prime years. And it's just, it's so hard to find guys that can guard. I mean, he could realistically guard one through four, I think. And He's only going to get a bit more bounce back as he gets further away from that procedure. Uh, the the three point shot has been much better than I would have anticipated. Like if you told me he was going to shoot like this from three, I would have probably pushed him to go in the top ten of the draft. Yeah. I I wasn't sure. I, it seemed like a jumper that might end up being kind of sort of broke and holding him back a little bit, kind of like Michael Kidd Gil- Gilchrist, but he's been a lot better than that. Yeah. So I'm um, sort of taking floor over dreaming on some of those remaining point guards with Ananobi yeah I mean I think if we were if we were doing this like as if we're trying to put ourselves in the mind of a front office like 
if you're if you're picking at five and you're like the kings who made that yeah. pick, you know, like it would be really hard to rationalize right. taking a role player when you're in a position like the kings are. But yeah. Ananobi's like he landed in the perfect spot in Toronto. Like, yeah. I think if he if he had gone to Sacramento or gone to Orlando or, or something like it, we'd be looking at him quite a bit differently. You know, I, we probably wouldn't even be analyzing him. Like he would just be a, a bit player for a bad team, but he's fallen in the right spot and, and he's certainly been much better than I expected. Okay. So we got Mitchell one, Tatum two, Markin and three, Smith four, and an five. I'll go Alonzo at six. Okay. I think, I mean, he's still being weighted down by those first few weeks efficiency wise that were so bad um and i'm i don't know i i do think he looked considerably better there was there was a, a a shift you know in those last 10 or 15 games before he got hurt where he started to look a lot more confident on offense and, and i think his overall play i mean it i know he's shooting 30 percent from three he's shooting 36 percent from the field those are pretty indefensible numbers and maybe even more so 48 percent from the line on like one attempt per game which is extremely concerning but there just aren't that many point guards that can come in as 19-year-olds and, and average 10, 7, and 7. No. Uh, I mean, I definitely considered him with my last pick. I'd sort of felt like it was only right that you ended up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of your like, you're a Lonzo guy. I'm a marketing guy from this class, I think. The rest of them, I don't think either of us are yeah. too attached to anyone. But, but. I mean, he's such a, he's an upside guy, too, where it's like, if we were really doing this draft as GMs, he probably goes a little higher, I think. Is he an upside guy? I think so. I think there are still teams out there that like that would consider taking him one or two. Well, what do you think his, like, if everything just goes perfectly well from here f- through, like, the next three or four years, like, what, what type of player is he? He's better than Dennis Smith, right? I mean, like, I still think Lonzo's ceiling as an overall player is better than Smith. I disagree. I think I think as a passer, like, that's... I think if if they both just hit their ceiling, you seriously think his ceiling's higher than Smith's? I think so. I think it's like the overall impact that he can have. Yeah, Hmm. and I I mean, I like Smith a lot. All right. So I mean, like you, you, what is a realistic like three point shooting percentage for Lonzo if like everything works? He shot like forty two percent at UCLA. You know, I mean, like I don't know if it's a form thing, if it's just an adjustment thing. I don't, I don't know what the issue is. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's sort of effective. If you're if you're saying that Lonzo's got significant upside, right? I think you're you're banking on him getting back over forty yes. percent. He from three. need he needs to be a very good three point shooter, like minimum like thirty seven, thirty eight on a high volume of attempts. Would you agree that if he gets if if he and Smith both just sort of settle in as like thirty six percent shooters, that Smith has a higher ceiling? I think so. Yeah, because without without that threat of Lonzo like I don't want to compare it to Curry but like those those are the type of shots that he would take at UCLA Mm -hmm. you know these two three four feet Mm -hmm. behind the line that would really force defenses to come out on him like that you know that kind of is what separated him and gave him the ability to get to the rim whereas Smith can just get to the rim no matter what like he doesn't need the threat of pulling up from 28 feet to get by someone and like if Lonzo doesn't have that his game becomes a lot more limited is this at all instructive on Trey Young at all like sort of the idea so, that yeah. the idea that almost you know like those shots that are like that far beyond the arc in college to me are just so much easier to get and so much easier to make than they are in the pros yeah because like a guy like NBA defenses are used to guarding out to 
beyond right. the NBA three-point line, whereas college defenses, even though they, they see Trey Young on ESPN and everything and he comes into town, they're just not used to yeah. having to get that far out on a guy. Uh, I mean, I don't I know. I think it's instructive. I think it's also just a lesson in, like, you you have to make them. If you're going to be a player right, that yeah. does that, you you have to make them or it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like, when your whole game is kind of built around that. And, like, Curry has gotten so good at other things that, like, we don't want to sit here and say mm-hmm. he's just a three-point shooter. Um, but certainly it helps. You know, right. like, when guys have to respect you like that, it makes it a lot easier to do other things. And when you're not making the shots, you know, you you become a lot easier to guard. And I think, you know, at least Lonzo has, like, three or four inches on Trey Young. So it's like there's a little bit less risk there. Like, with Trey Young – if he's not just this complete dynamo on offense, he can really hurt you. Whereas like Lonzo has been a good defender. He's a really good passer. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if Trey Young's quite on Lonzo's level, but we'll see. Um, okay. So that's six. You have seven. We're not going all the way to 20, by the way. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell, the 38th overall pick. I think he is kind of the perfect modern day five or at least he's just he's just so perfect for pairing with a variety of other big men like if you have you know say you just have like a a stretch guy like Laurie Markkinen and you have like that would be a just a dynamic four and five it could have been (laughs) definitely could have been that's that's so funny <laughs> it definitely could have been <laughs> yeah think how I much mean, brighter that franchise's like outlook would be if it's just like well we have our front me. court going forward like yeah. we have marketing we have bell like and that's pretty much done i mean the whole the thing with with bell coming out is like man he's he's just like draymond he does a lot of draymond things and like yeah i mean it's easy to make that comparison when he's on draymond's team but like he really does like he is I think his his assist rate is like top five in this class. And this is like the point guard class. And he's no, he, when Draymond went out, he filled that role. I mean, not seamlessly, but he did a pretty damn good job, like better than Draymond would have done as a, and his, I mean, his blocks and steal rates are both like towards the top of this class. He is another guy like Ananobi where, I mean, I think who, whose ceiling do you think is higher out of Bell and Ananobi? I think right now Ananobi because he looks like he can shoot. Mm-hmm. But Bell, I mean, Bell is a defender at that size. It was yeah, this is kind of like along the same lines as the Ananobi pick where I'm leaving some upside on the board just because mm-hmm. I, I know that Bell can play like 30-plus minutes a right. game in a big postseason series. Well, and this is another lesson in like how Golden State has been so good. You know, like There are the obvious reasons, but then there are reasons like basically paying nothing for jordan bell you know right. a guy who is you know if you if down the road you lose draymond that's part of like jordan bell is one of the reasons why i just don't have any time for that argument about like the grizzlies botching all these picks because they were picking in the <laughs> 20s it's like yeah i nobody's expecting you to hit all the time but they never even once like right. had one of these like late no. round hits well and then you know i always say too like the heat when they had lebron and the Cavs would just just throw away those picks to get you know veterans which you know getting Kyle Korver stuff like that like that helps your team but they just had no they had no time for those picks and they never replenished the young talent at all you know like the one young guy that the Heat ever developed was what Norris Cole wow who, who immediately <laughs> fell out of the league when he when he left that team and I mean he, was, he gave them some good yeah. minutes hit some big shots whatever but they were never bringing in like a Jordan Bell type I no. mean this is this is the type of guy that keeps dynasties going you know mm-hmm. not he's not going to do it single-handedly but 
just having that insurance and especially for the next four years on a rookie I mean, deal is there like so i th- i sort of think he's like a, a perfect modern five like the only thing that mm-hmm. isn't going for him is that he can't uh shoot threes but is he just like can you even think of any big man in the league that you'd rather get switched on to a guard on like a high pick and roll than bell like who who would have a better shot than him of of sticking with a guard i no, just can't, I I can't mean, even think of one I mean, part of it's because he's only like six 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 seven, which helps. Right. But he plays yeah. like he's. I mean, it's right. the Draymond thing. He plays like he's six eleven exactly. at times. Yeah. yeah, and he plays like he's thirty pounds heavier in yeah. the post. Yeah, I mean, it's. You can go all day on how crazy it is. One that he fell that far, and two that Chicago just even if even if it wasn't even if like that that move hadn't panned out and he sucked, like buying a pick like that is just you do it every single time. Oh yeah, it's second for the, what do they pay like three million? Three million, 3 million yeah, just for a chance to add another nothing. player we like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And get to cherry pick him like that, too. Okay, so that's seven. Um, hmm. I, th- <laughs> I think I got to go. I think I got to go Josh Jackson. Oh, at four. Nice. I'm not ready to give up on Josh Jackson. He's I feel now I feel really bad and dirty and, and kind of embarrassed that I didn't have the balls to take him, even though he was like my number one guy coming in. And he's coming on lately, too. Well, he's shooting 27 percent from three. He's coming on and out in other areas. So. <laughs> um, I think I think playing with Phoenix has just been really toxic. Yes. For him. I think he would be a lot better almost anywhere else other than Sacramento. I, I just think so he's in a bad. I just. Really bad OK, situation. with with him, when I watch him. It just it doesn't seem like he has a good grasp of like what the right play is when he when he's on offense. Like he just it's almost like he looks like he went he left Kansas, didn't get coached once between now and Kansas. Like he almost he honestly looks like he hasn't. He's almost regressed in terms of decision making. In terms of playmaking, one of the big things with him was his like his per possession assists were good in college and he was really yeah. good passer and like he he's gone i'm looking at his recent game logs I mean, he went three straight games last month without an assist i would be dying to trade for him if i was a team that had confidence in like my my culture and right. my coaching staff because i think you could just bear really mind, do some stuff with him bear in mind that the the phoenix suns and you know this maybe they still are high on josh jackson but they didn't trade for kyrie irving right. because they were so set Report, on taking reportedly. josh jackson yeah yeah that's the rumor. Kyrie Irving. That's the rumor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to give up on Josh Jackson. Like, there are nights where I'll check the box score. Like, a couple of weeks ago, he went 0 for 13 from the field. And yeah. I was like, dear God. If you could just get him to work, like, a little bit as a a hub around the top of the key or free throw mm-hmm. line as sort of a, a passer, um, kind of like an option, like a, a dribble, pass, shoot sort of option – uh, if you work that into your offense and you just told him, look, you're not allowed to take uh, kind of out of control floaters 10 seconds mm. into the shot clock. You're just you're not allowed to. Next time you do, you're coming right out of the game like because he's he's in love with that crap. Like he gets the ball like there'll be 18 seconds on the shot clock and he'll just drive as hard as he can and throw up a floater. Right. Yeah, he's still kind of in the AAU ball mode. Yeah, that's what that's what I think when I watch him. But <laughs> okay. last nine games, 18 points per game, six and a half rebounds. 1.3 assists, 1.2 blocks, 46% from the floor. So like every time I'm just about, and that's this span started after the 0 of 13 game. Like every time I'm just about ready to to declare him the next Ben McLemore, he has a nice little stretch. So I, I think I think not necessarily that he has to get out of Phoenix. That just has to become a better roster and a better organization. And and I think he'll still be 
okay. I mean, the other guys in contention at that pick for me are Fox and Isaac. But at some point, we have to get to Fultz here, too. <laughs> All right, I'm taking Isaac. Okay, I'm, so Isaac at it, nine. He, he slipped a few rounds because of his uh, antics, his off-the-court shenanigans. But, um, <laughs> you know, talent can only slip so far. I'm willing to right. put up with it at this spot. I just think this is kind of going back to why I took uh, – marking in at three is like i will i'll happily take a great point guard if i think one's out there i just but but having like the 20th best point guard in the league doesn't really do anything Mm -hmm. for me okay so isaac at nine uh (laughs) and bam out of bio's got to get some consideration he's been really good i don't I, i i you know i wasn't a big fox guy coming into the draft and he's just hasn't shown me anything he's been exactly what can I you thought he would say be. the is it confirmation bias or is it can you blame sacramento for this i think it's it's definitely a little both i mean sacramento is the only situation to me that's probably worse than phoenix right now and it's close i mean it's phoenix, is getting, close. phoenix is getting the house it's pretty close basis these <laughs> it's days. pretty close <laughs> they've lost like nine in a row like eight by double digits a I think couple by lost, 40 i think they've lost like three or four by 40 they've season. lost <laughs> well they lost they got killed by the spurs like last thursday it's hard to lose by 40 they put up a graphic i think they're the only team ever to lose by 40 twice in a season at home and it's, they've done it i think they might have done it three times it's now. really hard to lose by 40 it really is because i mean you see the scores like that you'll check a halftime score and it's like but, 71 to 35 and then like the team yeah, always closes right, the gap because yeah like the team that's winning right. just kind of like the fourth quarter of those games a is, bit. Yeah. The, the winning team always gets outscored yeah. by like 20 in the fourth quarter right but no the suns the suns, <laughs> the suns are so bad that they continue they, to they're go wire to wire on that 40 point <laughs> loss yeah we'll lose every quarter <laughs> Uh, okay, so I guess I'll go Fox. Um, okay. So now we're through ten picks. All right, now I'll go. I'll go Fultz here. Okay, it, this is the time so for make, Fultz. So make the case. Um, <laughs> make the case. I he, mean, fell, I read, he fell out of the top ten. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, make the case for why he should go this late. Okay. You know? Well, like, is there, are, is, is, so you know, basically, I was saying by taking Fox that I think I would bet on Fox over Fultz going forward. Sure, I. The guys that I was considering here, Bam Adebayo, uh, Frank Nilakina, John Collins, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Jared Allen, Luke Kennard, and I think best case scenario with all those guys is they're like the fifth or sixth best player. We I have an interjection. We forgot about Kuzma. I didn't. I think I'll, I will take Kuzma at ten then over Fox. Okay. Easily. Okay. I didn't. Re- I thought you had you no. slipped your mind. Okay. No. I, okay. I, I sort of know what he is. Don't I mean? Don't you sort of feel like you yeah, know what he is? Like he's just a can't guard anyone. Pretty efficient score. Like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm I, fine with it. I know he's on a bad team and he got a lot of run, but it's still pretty tough to just step in and average like 16 and six. He's been he's damn cooled good. off quite a bit. He has. Um, I almost wonder if there was just some weird like four month run of his life where he was awesome at basketball somehow just and just a wonky <laughs> run <laughs> really wonky um no i didn't forget about him okay well so now it's to me and it's fox is back on the board fultz is still out there okay um, dylan brooks is still out there i'm gonna go fultz still over fox just because i don't really see i just don't see fox being more than kind of a you know, in that sort of like Jeff Teague range of point guard where it's just kind of like you're fine if he's your starter, but you're always kind of looking to do better. Right. Yep. Whereas Fultz, 
he obviously could just be absolutely nothing at this point. But I still think if if he fixes his shot, which a year ago today was definitely not broken at all, like if he can if he can get back to where he was, then I think he still has the upside mm-hmm. to be you know a top six or seven point guard in the league. So I I think that we are definitely at a, a serious risk juncture in that whole development where you know the longer this goes on where the only reason he's not playing right now is because his shot's embarrassing right (laughs) yeah i mean and and if you're listening to this there's a good chance you read the big i think it was kyle newbeck of philly voice who wrote you know kind of the definitive piece so far on markel fultz and you know there's nothing groundbreaking in there it's very thoroughly reported there's a lot of info it's a good it does a good job of laying out the whole timeline it's pretty clear at this point that no one believes he at least right now is hurt or was ever Mm -hmm. really seriously hurt to the point Uh that it forced him to change his jumper. There's still that belief that maybe changing his jumper resulted in some sort of shoulder issue, but it's pretty clear at this point that he just can't shoot. And it's Mm -hmm. whether for whatever reason, whether it's mental or physical, there's no, there's no medical reason that he should not be playing in the NBA game right now, other than he's, he's lost the ability to shoot. Yeah. And we're kind of in uncharted territory here, at least in yes. terms of since I've been following the NBA, I can't remember anything like this happening. And so that makes it really scary. But I mean, it's happened to Landry Fields, but <laughs> he was Landry Fields. Yeah. It's never happened yeah. to the number one pick in a loaded draft. Yeah. Uh, it's And it really couldn't be – he couldn't be on a worse team for mm-hmm. that to be – this newfound area of weakness because like the one thing the Sixers desperately need is shooting and right you know he he's pretty clearly going to be not their primary point guard at this point because of how good Simmons is but one of the only things he can probably do right now is dribble and get to the rim and stuff that's why why are they not throwing him out there to do that like what concerns me is like he must be so broken that he like they don't want him shooting free throws I just don't don't, yeah I don't think they want him to look as bad as they think he'll look on right. such a prominent stage where like it's one thing for there to just be youtube clips of him like in practice like being terrible because you know whatever like that's that could just be explained away as like he's working through some stuff mm-hmm. but like if you put him in a game and i mean i think he would just refuse to shoot but like what if he gets fouled and then what if he like i think yeah i think the fear hitting, is like, that he gets fouled and he just on, like, right. free throw. <laughs> Yeah, and well, and honestly, I think I mean I know you're half kidding, but like that's probably the thinking. I almost wonder, like, if it's taken this long, what could putting him in a game and and just letting him go out there and make a fool of himself like what would that really do to damage things? Wouldn't it just kind of force him to like be like, oh crap, people are like paying attention now, people are watching, like I got to figure this out. I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Knows, you know, it's even possible for him not to know. But right, that's the thing. It's like, what has changed? You know, if he's, if you believe that he's been mostly healthy this entire time, not, like, we're to believe that he hasn't made any improvement from January 1st until now, you know? Because, like, that was, it, it, at first it was okay. After Christmas, maybe we'll see him. Because he, you know, it was, there was the big report that maybe he would come back on Christmas Day. That didn't end up happening. And then it was, it's just been radio silence yeah. since. And now it's, oh, maybe the All Star break. Mm-hmm. But we're going to come back from the break, and the Sixers have like 25 games left, and they're not going to bring him back in the playoffs you know like the time is ticking for him to actually get some run here i mean i would here's a question for you if 
if I told you one of De'Aaron Fox or Markel Fultz made an all-star team five years from now, who would you bet your money? I on? think Fultz. I don't, I don't think Fox has it. I think right. Fox, to me, tops out at, like, Dennis Schroeder, yeah. which is pretty – I mean, Dennis Schroeder is pretty good. It's fine. Um, Markel fine. Fultz, this whole, this whole thing is going to be really interesting, I think, to look back on in like several years you know like there's just we're still in like the beginning stages of what feels like a 30 for 30 that's like happening in real time yeah and i don't know like i have a hard time believing either extreme where like in five (laughs) years are we going to look back and say oh one of the top 20 players in the league was just one of the was the worst rookie of all time and like forgot how to play basketball but now he's back and everything's all good like to me i don't know if that's going to happen like is he are the Sixers just waiting for him like one day to like knock his head on the wall and all of a sudden everything's back? Cause that's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think this was a fine time to take him just based on the upside and the lack of up more importantly, the lack of upside right. in, from my view on the remaining guys, but yeah, whatever. it's just, it's just such a, it's, you know, it's one thing to take a guy that high and have him not pan out. It's another thing to trade up to take that guy. And then the guy that you're trading for looks awesome. And then you're also handing a future pick that could end up conveying and giving Boston the number two pick this year. Like, it's just, it's all bad. Um, okay, let's do, oh, I got to talk about draft daily and then we'll do quick all-star picks and then we'll wrap it up. So the future of fantasy sports is here. Uh, the fantasy gold team is bringing you just that welcome to draftdaily.com. it's crypto it's currency it's sports draft daily is the new standard in the fantasy industry with almost non-existent fees 100 percent trackable transactions and zero percent risk james of chargebacks they are taking the industry by storm making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play draft daily has brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and platform on draftdaily.com users can play without worry and without fees digging into their profits draft daily is introducing cryptocurrencies to the masses what better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy sports play on draftdaily.com today excuse me where players and the game they love are the focus draftdaily.com okay so we'll finish out with all-star stuff uh, I went through these with Alex the other day. I, I refrained from making my picks um, because I have some integrity and I wanted to wait really? and, and do them with you. Yep. Um, wow. I, had, I, told, I just made Alex make his picks. Okay. And I just kind of silently judged them. Um, but we'll start with – let's do the skills challenge. That one sucks. We'll start with that one. Um, <laughs> that one sucks. I will read you the participants <laughs> in order of the Vegas odds. So Can the first, you tell me who's matched up against – because I couldn't find that. Okay. Right. I can't tell you. I can look. I can try to find that. I tried, and it's very tough to dig up. Yeah, because um, like to me, that's important. Because I like if I see a guy going up against somebody who I just don't think has any chance, then that would help me feel confident about them. But okay, I honestly, I'm flattered that you're taking these this seriously. Um, I, but I oh, don't yeah. have that information yeah, for you, unfortunately. Um, All right. So, my, do you want me to say? My pick or your pick? Well, I'll just read you the participants. Okay, sure. These are in order of yep. who okay. has the best Vegas odds to the worst Vegas sure. odds. Lou Williams, Jamal Murray, Al Horford, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joel Embiid, Buddy Heald, Laurie Markkinen, Andre Drummond. Vegas doesn't think Laurie has it. Okay. Well, I Laurie was my pick. Uh, zero bias involved in this pick. Uh, I definitely didn't pick him for multiple of these uh, questions that you asked about this weekend coming up here. Uh, 
Do you? What do you make of the fact that the last two winners have been big men? Yeah. Do I mean, you care about this fluky. as much as I care about jerseys getting retired? Or I mean, the skills challenge is like they need to make it a better course. It's all determined by that by that bounce pass into the ring. Right. It you is. Know? Like if you don't make that but, pass, it's, well, it. it's that's important. I also think just burying the jumper. Right. You have to hit the jumper like, on your first try because a lot of these guys will see guys just get there and just like it's like three misses and it's like all right you're yeah. done at that yeah exactly there needs to be they need to make a way to like standardize it more so I, each each like obstacle i'm trying to wonder value. if like the big men have an advantage on the bounce pass because of they had they just can create a better angle yeah like it, i don't know i think in theory it's like <clears> if that's an advantage for them then the three-point shot is supposed to be an advantage for the guards but we're to the point where like for Przingis last right. year like, like that was no marketing to me that like yeah. he has just as good a shot as hitting his first one as any of the rest of these guys i, I worry a little bit about drummond with <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you put <laughs> a guy drummond, that can't shoot threes into the yeah. yeah i mean i get better than a free throw i guess like does he know he has to shoot a jumper <laughs> when he signed up for this um yeah i don't think it'll matter um jamal murray would have been my pick if i went with a guard mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of think, I don't know, this is, this is such a toss-up event. Yeah, I, I went with my guy. Yeah, there, I don't think there's any way, looking at historical trends, to really predict this no, one. That's what I tried to do. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to go with Embiid. I think, I think uh, a big component of this is actually trying your hardest because you, mm-hmm. can, you can shave off a few seconds just like dribbling full speed through the little obstacles, and I think Embiid's going to do that. I. I mean, who do, who do you think isn't going to try their hardest in this? I don't know. Every year you watch it, and, like, some of the guys, I think. But the better, like, I think the better player you are or just the more you care about looking cool, like, that makes you maybe not try as hard. Yeah. But I think all these guys are scrubby enough that, like, what are they going to do? Like, not try in this thing? Bunch like, of scrubs. They're lucky they're even invited. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, I think but the, I, the point is that there's just no way to predict Yeah, it. I would have picked, I would have honestly picked Embiid, except that I just think naturally he's gonna move slower than the rest of these guys but yeah maybe his long strides will help him exactly three-point contest again these uh, these names are in order of best to worst odds clay thompson eric gordon devin booker paul george wayne ellington brad beal kyle lowry tobias harris so i say clay and i don't know if i'm just supposed to pick one guy i don't know how you could not pick clay that's that's what i said to alex too is like if I was going to go with Clay, which that's, you know, like there's no argument to not pick Clay. There's really no argument to pick someone other than Clay unless you're just being told you have yeah. to pick someone other than Clay. Exactly. And I think Devin Booker's hurt. He's still going to do this apparently, but he's not going to be 100%. Really, really need, I mean, not. if you're going to do the three point contest, you have to be healthy. You know, like no way. <laughs> I mean, it's super annoying for me because I'm in our staff keeper league. I am desperately trying to win at this point and he's missing all these games and then he's showing up for this yeah three point shootout it's pretty it's, it's kind pretty, of a slap in the face yeah to you, it really is it's personally. like he does it's like he doesn't even care about my team yeah uh i'm gonna rule out kyle lowry and tobias harris <laughs> those guys aren't winning um <laughs> that's, that's so, my my pick is that those two aren't gonna win i think that's that's a much safer pick than picking clay to win is picking that those two are not going to win Ugh. yeah Tobias harris i mean really 11 to 1 odds <laughs> You, I like I kind of like Brad Beal at seventeen to two. Yeah, I mean, I if you made me pick someone other than Clay, it might have been Beal. Yeah. Okay. And now the main event, the big one, the dunk contest: Dennis Smith, Donovan Mitchell, Larry Nance Jr., and Victor Oladipo. I'm going Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think it's to me, it's between him and Dennis Smith, 
And, you know, Dennis Smith, he he's great at getting up in the air and, like, finishing dunks. But he just – he doesn't do it with the same sort of flash and, like – fluid athleticism that I think Mitchell does like all of when they, when those guys do the same dunk, Mitchell's looks better to me. And I think he's a bit more versatile. Like I've seen Mitchell, uh, you know, come in for like just tip dunks, which I think gives him the advantage on a, you know, if he were to use the backboard or whatever, uh, I think I've seen him complete some more impressive alley-oops, which, you know, could come into play, uh, I, I'm confused as to why Dennis Smith has better odds than him, honestly. Dennis Smith is the favorite here. All the odds are close, but, yeah, he's the favorite. Um, I, I agree with you with Dennis Smith. I think I think it would be the similar result to, like, throwing Westbrook in a dunk contest where, yeah, he would hold his own, but Westbrook, the more impressive thing about Westbrook and Smith when they dunk is, like, the mixture of verticality, I guess, or, you know, getting up in the air and then throwing it down hard. Power. Where, like, Power dunks like don't really power get you. Dunkers, they don't yeah. get you anywhere in a dunk contest. No, like it's it's all about like how graceful and exactly. like fluid you look. And that's part of the reason I never like, you know, I'd love to see LeBron in a dunk contest, but I don't think he was going to win. Like LeBron's not a contest dunker. I think he could definitely have won a few in his prime. But like I don't think <laughs> in his prime, sure. But I I think I don't think LeBron could do like everything that Vince Carter did. I don't think he has that in his bag. Maybe not, but I think. You know, as long as he did something from, like, the free throw line or a little bit beyond the free throw line, I yeah. think that would have gotten, like, a 50. Uh, I I wouldn't bet against prime LeBron in a dunk contest unless he was going up against prime VC or prime Zach Levine, maybe. Prime Jason Richardson. <laughs> prime Corey Maggette. Do you remember? I remember <laughs> prime Corey Maggette. Corey Maggette was in the dunk contest, and his dunk was he just – he grabbed the ball, like, 30 feet from the basket, took a couple steps, did a front flip – and then just ran up and dunked it. Like he didn't. It's not like he didn't do a front flip That's in the air. One of the best things about that like era of dunk contest was just the bad ones. Um, who was a better? Who would be a better contest dunker out of LeBron and T Mac? T Mac actually did the dunk contest, I know. and he. I thought he. I think T Mac. I think T Mac is more of that fluid kind of. Okay. I mean, T Mac is it closer helps. to Vince Carter. You want to have as as little like bulk yes. on you as possible, and you right. want and you can't. Like Zach Levine's Flight, height right. is about as is about the limit for yep. as tall as you can be with still making it look cool. Yeah. Although exactly. Aaron Gordon actually kind of goes against the the bulk thing. Yeah. Aaron Gordon just insane hot exactly. and creativity. Right. He I mean he even Aaron Gordon has the Blake Griffin hops, but I think he was a little more fluid. Like Blake is is a little too bulky. Well, his just his ideas um like all the stuff he did using the Orlando Magic mascot, like we're just stuff the Magic Dragon. Yep. Yeah, we're just kind of call him by his name. Okay. <laughs> uh, it just the the especially the one where he goes underneath his two legs like that. Just mm-hmm. that was, it couldn't have looked cooler than it did. Yeah, that that dunk contest has almost been glossed over already. It feels like, and that's that was an all. Do you think? For me. Uh, do you think there are kids who think of that dunk contest the way that we think of like the Vince Carter one or is the Vince Carter one's availability on YouTube? Like I, if you just, if you just showed some like 10 year old, yeah. the Vince Carter one and the Levine Aaron Gordon one and said, which one do you think's better? And they didn't have any sort of like hype or, right. or history around it. Which one do you think they would say? 
it's pretty undeniable that the dunks were better in the Levine Gordon yes. one. It's really not close. Yeah. Like I was saying to Alex the other day, like Vince Carter's like the dunk that capped it for him was the one where T Mac bounced it off the ground and kind of walked away and then Vince puts it through his legs. Like, yeah, it looked cool, but like that <laughs> what does that get you now? Like a forty? Like, Zach, like was, Zach Levine is like done that but like from five He's, feet further Zach Levine's away. coming on you know going on one side of the basket putting it between his legs and like dunking on the other yeah. side of the rim as yeah. it's going by like no I mean the, I think it, it helped that Vince Carter was like at the peak of popularity at that point right. it was like NBA star Vince Carter did all this not like yeah. at the time Zach Levine when he won in 2015 the average fan had never heard of Zach Levine mm-hmm. the average fan probably hadn't even heard of Aaron Gordon I, I also, think it helps when you're a star and I also think uh you know the the people that were working the arena, like lighting and sound, and the people working the cameras for TNT. I think all get a ton of credit for Vince Carter's because they had all the perfect shots yep. of like him after the dunk, like doing the like mm-hmm. it's over and like all that stuff. Like it was just perfectly produced yep. to make those dunks really pop in a way that maybe yeah. they wouldn't have if it had been like mid 90s mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I just think the bar after that dunk contest the bar was raised very quickly as far as what became a really good dunk. Right. You know, like if you if, if Aaron Gordon does that under the leg dunk in 2000. The, ba- the Shaq's, bar Shaq's camcorder might have just blown up. The bar the was raised and the uh quality of the competition was lowered. Like it, the, be, maybe it was because the bar was raised that like the next, the ensuing, like, seven or eight dunk contests, like, it was just only mediocre dunkers. Yeah. And then we had the Levine I think people on. started to bite off a little more than they could chew. <laughs> Looking at you, Birdman. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you, you tried dunking being on what Birdman was on for that dunk contest. Oh, good God. <laughs> Imagine a nightmare scenario where you, you miss <laughs> – who knows what was going on. You know, in in the, in his mind, as he missed what like twenty dunks in a row in front of twenty thousand people. Uh, okay, um, that'll wrap things up. Do you, are you actually going to watch All Star stuff this weekend? I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Milwaukee, so I won't be able to like force you to watch it with me. Unfortunately, I have a dinner reservation at eight thirty on Saturday night. What did you do? Did you make that on purpose? Uh, it was kind of a buddy coming into town this is the night that i can come into town type of situation apparently he didn't know that it was all-star saturday i don't know does tornado room have uh are they gonna have the dunk contest on like i doubt it do they even have tvs no (laughs) they're not the answer to that question what are you doing Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.